Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my God, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. I am your grammatically and typographically challenged co-host, Dan Davidson, if that's even a word. And it's my pleasure to welcome you all to episode 48 of this crazy little show. And speaking of crazy, it is my honor to introduce my esteemed co-host. He is the Jesse Pinkman to my Walter White the Gilligan to my Skipper, and the Gleek the Monkey to my Wonder Twins, but I couldn't do a thing without him. He is the wonderful and devilishly handsome Bill Smith. Bill, we flipped things around a little bit today. Welcome to the show, my bud. Am I to understand that in one sentence you've compared me to Jesse Pinkman and Gleek the Super Monkey? (laughs) I thought that you would like that. Thank you, buddy. It's good to be here. I, I appreciate you inviting me to your podcast recording tonight, Mr. Executive Producer. It's a, Every it's, once in a while, we have to, you know, put people in their perspective places. It's a it's a joy and an honor to be second chair tonight. <laughs> well, we got a fun show in store for everyone. Um, but before we get into the details, why don't you go ahead and uh, let folks know where they can go to uh, send us a message or let us know how we're doing? Absolutely. Well, of course, there were a few ways to get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype. Our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. Or if you're feeling kind of crazy, you can call us at 508 784 1701. Plus, you can also join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. To join, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and we'll let you right in, or at least I will, because Dan doesn't know how to do that yet. Wow. And uh, please remember that any comments or messages or greetings of any kind you may leave us in any of these places could potentially be used in a future episode. Back to you, Dan. I don't think I could have said it better myself. And you probably haven't. Even though I usually do. (laughs) Well, uh, Bill, as usual, before we get to the uh, meat of our episode this week, uh, we do have some recent news uh, that we wanted to share with all the listeners. First of all, I'm going to I'm going to take the first news event and I'm just going to say congratulations to you uh, because you had your first podcast crossover this past weekend. You were a guest on Tricorder Transmissions. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to listen to, and I just wanted to get a couple of uh, bullet points of what you thought of that uh, of that event. 
It was uh, it was fantastic. Thank you so much for for bringing it up. It was the uh, the Tricorder Transmissions Shore Leave show. Yeah. They've got like six different shows as part mm-hmm. of Tricorder Transmissions that they do at various points, and and Shore Leave is all about conventions and yeah. and specifically, I think the run up to STLV. It's hosted by uh, by our friends Jeff Hewlett and of course the original Trek Geeks girl Heather Barker mm-hmm. and uh, I had a fabulous time. It's it was weird to be a guest. I'm not going to lie because <laughs> I'm used to steering the show. Yeah. Um, but we talked about everything. You know, questions that people left in the unofficial STLV group on Facebook. Um, a, re- a reaction to the sellout, and then I got to tell. Two of my favorite convention stories. The first one being a a Star Trek cast member who snuck me into a convention that I've mentioned on this show before, and mm-hmm. then the uh, the convention that sort of spawned my golf trek trips that you went on for the first time last year. Yep. So if you want to hear the full story, you can head on over to the tricordertransmissions.com and listen to Shore Leave episode two. Awesome. That's fantastic, and we would we do uh, want to wish Heather the best. She's got a pretty bad sunburn right now, as we saw on Twitter <laughs> today. That's what Disney will do to you, Heather. So you know you got to put some sunscreen on, girl. And uh, before we move on, I should also say that uh, both Adam Drosen and Ian Adams were were part of that roundtable discussion on on first cons, as they call it, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a great discussion overall. The, they both uh, had some fantastic stuff to bring to the table, and uh, it was great. So if you get a chance to check it out, uh, Shore Leave Episode 2. Definitely. Yeah, better than uh, our episode last week on Trek Geeks, would you say? Because uh, I wasn't on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just saved it for you. You did. Nice, Nicely done. <laughs> Thanks. Well, uh, well, Bill, in other news, we got a couple of snippets in regards to people who may be into Star Trek gaming. We do, and and gamers, we truly hope you enjoyed last week's Timelines podcast. Uh, For those of you who play Star Trek Wrath of Gems, it looks like they're having a cool new contest where you can actually become a character in the game. And by you, I mean people listening and not just Dan, as I point to my screen. Um, I guess you can check it out. There's full details at StarTrekWrathOfGems.com. They'll have the the lowdown, if I could speak correctly, on how you can get your face in that game. So that sounds pretty cool. As long as it's not your face, Bill. Wow. There you go. So have you submitted yours yet, Dan? I have. Well, I've submitted. You can do it actually multiple days. You have to go and you have to tweet about it and, and put a post on Facebook and stuff like that. And every time that you actually do one of these tasks, you are you get like one entry into the drawing to have your face become an alien character in the game. It's kind of cool. That does sound kind of cool. I'm actually not really playing Wrath of Gems right now because I am focusing on timelines and our next item actually is about that. It is. Um, There is still time to get in on our contest for the gorgeous original Star Trek timelines, theatrical poster by artist Kat Staggs. We are giving away two of them, not just one, but two, I tell you. And all you have to do is join our Trek Geeks fleet in the Star Trek Timelines game. Uh, I think you have to be level nine. Is that mm-hmm. right? That is correct. Once you're at level nine, you send us a request to join the fleet, and we'll let you right in. Once you've done that, go back to our Facebook page, to the post that's pinned at the top, and add your in-game name. Once you've done both of those things, you'll be entered into the drawing to win one of the two amazing posters. And uh, I do have to say that uh, also in relation to timelines, a special shout out to our friends at the Sunday G&T show 
for having mentioned our podcast with Disruptor Beam. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It's always nice to get the the podcast love from the other podcasters, and we love them right back. Um, if you remember, Bill, um, a couple of weeks ago, if it wasn't last week, it may have been last week actually, we had the big news about the new uh, about the, the the creator and and um, I guess the executive producer of the new Star Trek series, which is going to be on CBS All Access, and we saw a, a an interesting snippet today in regards to possible casting of that show. Uh, which, if it happens, I'll be extremely excited about. But uh, why don't we uh, tell listeners about what that is all about? One of your favorites and mine, Mm -hmm. Star Trek veteran guest actor Tony Todd, he who will always be Kern, had some interesting things to say on a recent podcast. On the Mortis horror-themed podcast, he said that he was on the, quote, short list, end quote, for actors to be starring in the new CBS all-access Star Trek series. Now, we do want to point out that this is a rumor um, that Tony has told a podcast about. We don't know where he is in this process. We don't know whether or not it was just a, hey, it would be great to have Tony Todd there, or whether or not he's on some kind of list or done any auditions or anything. Right. Um, But... I think that you would agree that this would be amazingly cool. It would be very amazingly cool. Uh, he's always been one of the favorite guest actors of a bunch of the series. Um, the one thing in the article, which I found interesting is he did make a comment about how he's not sure about how this is only going to be online and how that's all going to go quote unquote uh, in the article. I thought that was a little bit interesting, but uh, again, we'll see as it uh, gets closer. Uh as to what actually happens, that would be a fantastic cast signing as long as it doesn't interfere with his work on accent. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just a little humor, a little humor for a, for a cool evening here in New England. <laughs> in that same interview, he did talk a little bit about his departure from Axenor, mm-hmm. uh, not more than a couple of sentences, but and certainly really no new information per se. But right. apparently Axenor has filed their response with yes. the courts in Los Angeles and have asked for a motion to dismiss the lawsuit brought by CBS and Paramount. And that's really the extent of what we know. So it uh, not a surprising tactic per se. Nope. Nope. Um, it seems not one to that me succeeds to, very often either. Not one that succeeds very often. And it occurs to me that it may, g- may be just to extend the timeline. Nope. Yeah. No pun or callback intended. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> going to be a real pro to do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, as other Tony Todd or CBS All Access or Axonar News comes forth, we will be certain to bring it to you here on Trek Geeks. Awesome. Well, uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about what we have in store for listeners today. Um, we have had the distinct pleasure and honor to welcome another Star Trek Continues cast member to the show. Um, it was hilarious talking to this person. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, fill us in on what we have planned here for this afternoon, this evening, or whenever you're going to listen. The the good generic time of the day. <laughs> well, when we were down for the uh, the episode shoot at Star Trek Continues last year, one of the people we wanted to be able to spend more time with was today's guest. And, and really, we just sort of got an in-passing sort of, oh, hey, how are you? But uh, today we get the chance to sit down with Kipley Brown, uh, who plays Lieutenant Smith on Star Trek Continues. It's a, uh, it's a very fun conversation, I think is the best way to sum it up. 
Yeah, it is. It was a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Um, it's interesting to hear, as we've always said, the different viewpoints from the different actors and crew um, as they're uh, on set. Uh, so sit back and enjoy our interview with the talented Kipley Brown. <laughs> This week's guest can be seen in a variety of science fiction noir films, such as Yesterday Was a Lie, as well as the sci-fi short R.U.R. Genesis, both directed by our good friend James Kerwin and also starring fellow Trek alum Chase Masterson. Additionally, fans will remember this week's guest from The Forgotten, a season three episode of Enterprise, where she played crewman Jane Taylor, the engineer who died in a Zindi attack, and haunted Trip as he came to terms with the death of his sister. For us, we'll always enjoy seeing her reprise her role of Lieutenant Barbara Smith on the critically acclaimed web series Star Trek Continues, and we are thrilled to add her to the list of STC cast members who have joined us here on the Trek Geeks podcast. She is also the only person who has ever replied to an invite in Klingon, and she is the wonderful and enthusiastic (laughs) Kipley Brown. Kipley, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kapla. Uh huh. <laughs> we that, got uh, we got quite a kick out of that. <laughs> it's great. It's awesome to be here. I love. I I, I want to be a Klingon. I want to be a lady Klingon. You should. Uh, and get a bat lift and just terrorize the neighborhood. Nice Vegas. Uh, it sounds like that's got to happen. <laughs> I would love it too. I have to get a prosthetic forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that Lisa's got at least one of those lying around oh. somewhere. She probably, if she doesn't, she can get one. <laughs> That'll be awesome. <laughs> well, Kipley, to start, um, you got your start in Chicago, and you studied at both Second City and the Stephen Wolf Theater, uh, mm-hmm. both of which are very different experiences and both have an amazing list of alumni. Uh, which was tougher for you? Probably Second City, because that's improv. I, I had done a lot of theater in high school. I was that you know, person kind of wore too much eye makeup and a lot of black and was (laughs) just taken, you know, um, I did a lot of theater and I'd done mostly drama and a little bit of comedy, but as second city, I'm not, I wasn't at the time as familiar with comedy nor improv. And it's the scariest thing ever. Um, it's one thing to be handed some lines and then kind of, you know, put your soul into it and make it come to life. It's another thing to have no lines and have to be funny. Right. (laughs) It's terrifying. So that, that, I mean, both were challenging, but the, um, just being, being like untethered to some sort of script was really scary. Hmm. Interesting. But you still do a lot of improv today though, too, right? Mostly today I do sketch comedy. Oh, nice. um, Which is like, you know, Saturday Night Live is sketch comedy. Um, so yeah, I do a show called Top Story Weekly. It's a weekly live show in Hollywood. And uh, we have a staff of writers, thank God, that <laughs> write these, these scripts each week so I don't have to, you know, try to come up with the humor on my own. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like improv, though, because we, do, because we do a new show every week. We get the script the day before. We perform every Sunday at 8. And so, you know, a lot of times, because we're so quick to memorize it, we might lose something here and there and end up... <laughs> doing some improv that sounds like a blast it is it's it's 
we've been going for a long time now and we have it down to a science and we have great writers and great cast. And I, I, when I hear myself talk about it, I still can't believe that we put it together so fast because it's, it's all current events and pop, you know, culture and things that are going on that current week. And we have about, you know, six to eight sketches oh, wow. every show. And we have costumes and tech and props and, you know, the whole shebang. And we put it together in less than 48 hours. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So on the flip side of the coin, Yesterday Was a Lie was probably one of the most complex and interesting things I've watched in a long time. And I have to say I loved it. Um, I, I still have to think about it, but I haven't been oh, challenged. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was in it. And I'm still, I'm still figuring stuff out. <laughs> I haven't been challenged like that as a viewer very often, and I remember I, I told James the same thing not too long ago. When you first read the script, what was your reaction to it? Um, I instantly loved it, even though I didn't completely comprehend it at first. Yeah, I knew the basic themes that were going on, and. Um, like, you know, the, the idea of multiple moments being experienced at the same time, you know, is time linear or not? Fortunately, I was interested in sort of the quantum and metaphysical before yesterday was a lie. So I had a little bit of background on the pigeonhole theory and things like that. Um, as for how the story played out, I had that script for about two years before we shot it and it had some rewrites and stuff, but it took me about that long to kind of work out in my head the order of things. Wow. Um, the movie's out of order. I don't know if you hear that in the background. And forgive me, that's my cats are about to beat each other up. <laughs> we love the animals. That's okay. <laughs> they, they never do this. They just knew I was having an interview. And now suddenly <laughs> they, they've decided to fight. <laughs> Winner take all. Happens. The timing. You guys, stop it! <laughs> Incidentally, you'll laugh. Uh, one of the cats, it's a mother and her son. And the son's name is Worf. Nice. Ah, very yeah. good. Worf, no. <laughs> Leave that cat alone, Worf. There's and no ironically, honor. He, um, he's an orange I cat. will feed him. Yes. Read your mother love poetry. <laughs> ironically, he looks like uh, Data's cat, Spot. He's, a, he's um, an orange tabby from the next generation. I don't yeah, yeah. remember. I've never oh, yeah. heard of it. Yep. Never heard of yeah. it. Well, I don't know if you remember the cat part. Oh, spot. So oh, to spot. oh, he was the yeah, star, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a pic, there's a screenshot of Worf holding Data's cat. And so it's Worf holding Worf. Definitely. <laughs> that gave me a big like nerd happiness right there. <laughs> so is it harder to build a character with a script like that? Very hard. And you know, I had the good fortune of being, in, you know, knowing that the writer, sometimes the writer's not involved in the process. And when you get a film script until later, but, you know, James, was like, he's directing and writing. So I'd be like, so what does that mean? And he'd be like, what do you think it means? It was like, <laughs> just tell me. Oh, that's so him. Yeah. No background to this character. Um, the, the character of Hoyle. She doesn't even have a first name. I noticed that. Yeah. And, uh, there's also no indication of her past. You know, often in, in films, the character arc will start with sort of a memory or something that made them the way they are. And then they, be, they end, end the film different than they were at the beginning. It's their journey. Only yesterday was a lie. You don't know what's the end and what's the beginning. Yeah. And there's no reference really to 
anything in her childhood or her past. And I, I had to invent one for myself that may or may not, you know, it doesn't necessarily come out in the film, but I think that when the actor knows, it just in subtle ways shows a complete character. Definitely. Hmm. Jumping over to uh, RUR Genesis, which I love, and I'm, I'm sure Bill loves it too. I've seen, I've watched it a couple of times. I really like it. Um, how did you How did you come to be involved in that project? Was it, um, you know, knowing James and he was the director of it, um, and any of the other uh, cast that were in it? And what did you think about that uh, that part that you had? Oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, yes, I, it was because of James. So uh, a lot of the stuff I've done has been with James. So, you know, it's not like I've had to go in and like audition every time and he knows what I can do. And and um, I consult with him sometimes on some of the scripts he's writing and, and I'll give it like a female perspective, although he writes women very well. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved that character because she kicks ass. I hope I can say yeah. ass. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. Um, yep. And I love it because it it's set in that 60s universe. Um, mm-hmm. even though it's you know retro futuristic, um, because it was a play based on a play written in 1919. And so it was set the, the author was Carl Chopik, who was mm-hmm. a Czech, Czechoslovakian author. And he wrote R.U.R. as a play and set it 50 years in the future. So James set it 50 years in his future, which is about 50 years in our past. So they, they kind of converged in the 60s. It's kind of cool. Um, but I loved it because a lot of the, the 60s movies that have, you know, I, I'm picturing the James Bond movies and Barbarella and um, things like that. A lot of, not so much Barbarella, but a lot of the <clears throat> 60s shows, a lot of the women we're kind of screamy and cryy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I loved, <laughs> I loved being able to be in that setting, but have this, this badass walking around with this like, you know, laser rifle. I really enjoyed that. Maybe too much. The, no, I, I think it was great. And I know that the feature has been in, you know, pre-production for a little while now. And, I, I guess that that's hopefully going to start shooting sometime in the near future, maybe. Oh yes, I mean we're ho- we don't have a date yet. We're still waiting. You know, we're still building up the funds because, you know, James doesn't want to do it ultra low budget the same way we did yesterday was a lie because this is going to be more more intense sure. um, in terms of effects right. and things like that. He wants to do it right. So if we have to wait a little longer to get the right, you know, budget, we're willing to do that. So yeah. the uh, hardest I, part about making a film is getting getting the funding. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it, for something like this too, especially since it's just so so visually amazing that there's just got to be so much to take into account too. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And that's part of why we made the teaser is so that because because it's one thing to say oh it's going to be this sort of sci-fi 1960s campy thing that also deals with what it is to be sentient and human yeah. and people are like um yeah okay and it's another thing to show them you know right this right. is what because because if they knew james from yesterday was a lie only as it's his feature work they wouldn't necessarily picture the same guy who did that doing this because they're right. really different and oh, so you know, it's just showing that yes you know this is also in his wheelhouse 
do something more, you know, more out there, fun, a little bit campy, but also deals with really heady concepts. So we are left to surmise that you may have watched Star Trek before based on the fact that you wrote back to us in Klingon. So (laughs) have you always been a Star Trek fan? I have always been a Star Trek fan. Yes. I, I saw reruns of the original when I was very young. Um, and I didn't quite understand it all at the time. It was just really bright and cool looking because um, I was really young. Right. But when the next generation came out, I was older. And um, so I really cut my teeth on that show and have since gone back to the original again and mm-hmm. have appreciated it in full. So, but I would say that, that my first Star Trek love was the next generation. Interesting. Except season one, not so good. Right. <laughs> no it's, kind of, it's kind of funny that you said you go, you went back to the original series and really fell in love with it, especially because of what you're doing now <laughs> it's, uh, yes. with, with Star Trek continues. But um, a follow up to Bill's question is um, with next generation being your favorite series or the one that you cut your teeth on, as you said, do you have a particular favorite episode of that, uh, of that version or of any of the other spinoffs? Yes, I do. Um, next generation, it would be Measure of a Man. Yeah, well, there you go, Bill. Yeah, um, I just love I love the philosophy in that. You know, that's where they they sort of put data on trial to decide if he's sentient or not, if he has rights. Mm-hmm. And I, I love. I know it wasn't the most action packed episode, and but but I just you know when I was watching that when I was younger, that's the first time I had ever seen a TV show delve into those metaphysical concepts like that Mm -hmm. yeah and it just inspired me i thought it was so amazing and i'm sure there were other shows that did do that i just hadn't seen them um and you know the original does as well but i hadn't you know didn't have current experience with that at the time and i just and 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 patrick stewart just a this shakespearean actor in this courtroom and yeah i just that's what really hooked me to that show. Bill, that was one of the ones you'd take to the far reaches of the galaxy from last week, if I remember correctly. Uh, that's absolutely true. Melinda Snodgrass spins a good yarn, I tell you what. She's amazing. <laughs> she's my hero. <laughs> she, she's, she's amazing. I love yeah. her writing. She, um, uh, that, you know, Dan and I each picked like five episodes, except he picked like 10 or 15 <laughs> that we would take <laughs> you know, to the farthest reaches of the galaxy if we were stranded there. And that was one of the five I picked. And I think he picked most of Voyager and maybe an oh, animated series Oh, you are such a episode. liar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Oh, sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to let the cat out of the bag. That was, that was a real jerk move on my part. He so, outed you, man. I know. I did. So you, you've probably answered this question a million and one times. Um, but obviously with Enterprise, you, I'm guessing you went through an audition process for that. And did they tell you at the outset that you'd essentially be playing a dead person? No. Um, actually, this is funny. I've, I've told this story a lot. So if, <laughs> if you've heard other podcasts where I say the same story over and over again, I apologize <laughs> to any of your listeners. Forgive me. But it's a good story. Um, well, when I first auditioned, um, I was cautioned by you know some friends or people who knew not to go in there as a super fangirl. Because they've had experiences where 
diehard Trek fans cast in shows will walk away from the set with items that they'll sell on eBay. You know, I don't know, something about, you know, people were really obsessed with that universe. I would never do that, but still. So, you know, when I first thought, I was like, Star Trek, what's that? Oh, no. <laughs> um, but the first script, I, I um, the first part I read for was Jane Taylor's roommate. In the original draft of the episode, it was her roommate talking about her dead roommate, Jane Taylor. And I guess they decided to, to heighten the drama of it, have it be Jane Taylor. And so mm. I got a new script for the callback. Um, and then I was, it wasn't absolutely clear to me if I was a dream or a ghost at the time because I didn't have the whole script. But I was thrilled to get the callback, of course. Oh, and no, yeah. they didn't tell me who was director or anything. And usually, you know, you go through so many callbacks before you ever get a part. Mm-hmm. And this callback, they had the producers and the director there which is sooner than expected. And so I walk in and the director's sitting there and the director is LeVar Burton. LeVar, yeah. And again, I'm supposed to be like, what Star Trek? <laughs> and oh my God, I walk, no warning. I walk in the room and there's Shorty right there. And I'm supposed to like not freak out. You know, I'm already nervous. And then suddenly I see like one of my, oh my gosh, that's the best acting I've ever done. <laughs> Being home and not, you know, freaking out on him. Did you ever let on? No. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't, you know, if there had been a time, you know, we were sitting down and being chummy, I might have, you know, let it slip. But, you know, on, on the set, it was like a working set. So I, I yeah. didn't want to like, all of a sudden start drooling on him. That might not. On top of um, of having him be Jordy from Next Generation, what was it like to work with him as a director, just as, as LeVar Burton? He was so nice. He was so awesome. I mean, uh, you know, I he had the main characters on the set to deal with, and I'm just, you know, one of many smaller players that were in that day and and he was just very attentive and sweet and you know made me feel very comfortable and they kept redoing you know the adjusting my makeup and he'd say you know i want her 10 percent more tattered and they'd they'd, you know (laughs) rough me up a little and bring me he's like okay take it down five percent you know and it's really funny but then he got exactly what he wanted and it and it it was it worked and he was a really good director to work with you know he as an actor that's awesome he knew what works you know in communicating with actors. Moving on to Star Trek continues for a minute. Uh, you're, you're literally, Kipley, you're living the dream for Star Trek fans. You are now part of something that so few people have been chosen to be part of. Um, I know, isn't that ever... amazing, you guys? I, it is. I, <laughs> I, I sit at the helm of the Enterprise. I still can't believe it. <laughs> How did you get involved in this? Because that's like, that's something. I mean, because I can tell you right now, based on what we know of Star F- of Enterprise Navigators, I think you're Bill's favorite because I know the other one isn't his favorite. Yeah, I'm not a check. I love Wyatt, but I'm not a checkoff fan. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe, you know, maybe he, maybe his, uh, you know, figure isn't as good as mine, you know. <clears throat> and, you know, those Russians, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, well, like many things, uh, James Kerwin is what he, we both sort of mm-hmm. he had met Vic and Vic had talked to him about directing an episode. And um, so he asked if I'd be interested in it. And at first, you guys and don't hold it against me, but at first I was like, oh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to 
okay I'm a professional actress and I was like had my nose in the air because I had seen not great fan fiction yeah you know yes most fan fiction is is by people who love the show and they want to create more content but they're not necessarily writers directors they don't necessarily have the you know, it's like one guy with a flashlight shining it on his friend and his friend's going, Captain, look, there are Klingons coming this way. You know, it, <laughs> they love the show. But um, but then I went to Star Trek Continues website and like I'd, I started to watch it. And I was like, OK, yeah, I'm, I, I think I want to do this. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The minute I saw just how beautiful it is. Yeah. Um, it, it's. You know, so so I wrote an email to, you know, Vic saying, hey, this is me and this is what I've done and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And um, he checked it out and he's like, yeah, she can come <laughs> <from> aboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I was glad that they asked me back because I was really only, you know, in the fairest of them all mm-hmm. in yeah. the mirror universe. But um, they had me back and I, oh, so happy. So, as our listeners know, the next episode, Come Not Before the Dragons, is debuting in May. Yes, is, are not the, between the dragons. Oh, sorry, my bad. My, uh, my, my typing. Yeah, my podcast partner apparently typed it wrong, and I'm happy to throw him under the bus. I is have bad typing skills. <laughs> Come Not Between the Dragons, yeah. debuting in May. Are there any tiny tidbits of information that you can whet our listeners' appetites with regarding the episode and Lieutenant Smith? Oh, um, well, I can tell you that you see a new side to Smith. Okay. Um, most of the episode for Smith, that the parts that I'm in, I'm not at the helm. Okay. Ah, it's a that's very, interesting. It's a very active episode, and, um, and you get to see Smith do more than navigate. Well... Wow, that just opens so many doors. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking, you know, sick bay, room, transporter room. <laughs> wow, I'm that's fantastic. Space racquetball. <laughs> Who told you? Who um, leaked it? Oh. We've got a mole on the set. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut this part from the episode. So sorry. So sorry. Space crochet. That's the biggest action pack <laughs> sequence. <laughs> Macrame. <laughs> yes, space macrame. <laughs> And uh, you guys probably, you may already know it, um, but our guest star in episode mm. six yeah. is B.G. Edgley from Farscape. Yes. She's Tiana. Love her. Mm-hmm. She is so great. And she does a beautiful job in episode six. It was such a privilege working with her. We weren't there while she was there, unfortunately, because that would have been completely yeah. amazing. Yeah. So we can't wait to see you know the rest of the episode other than, like, say, the the one or two scenes that we saw, you know, being filmed while we were there. Oh yeah. I, I, I hope, I mean, I, I think I haven't seen it either, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. based on, you know, what we've shot. Oh, I think it's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. And you mentioned uh, that, um, your, your first, uh, foray into Star Trek continues was Ferris of them all. And we've seen you in several episodes since, um, as someone who, this character was new to, to us. What would you like to see happen with her over the remaining episodes of Star Trek Continues? Do you have anything in your in your head that you'd like to um, have happen on screen? Um, or are you just going with the flow? 
Barbara Smith becomes captain. <laughs> and then admiral. Admiral <laughs> Nuclear Wessels. Nuclear Wessels with Admiral. Um, just kidding. Kirk <laughs> always up in that captain's chair. Um, well, six episode six kind of like uh, already did some of it, it which was um, get to see more of Barbara Smith than than you know technical talk because yeah. a lot of what I was doing you know it was like we we've, we've got variants on this missile coming this way, which is exciting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe learn a little bit more about who she is as a person. Yeah, I'd like to see nice. that. So nice. when Star Trek Continues is is over and and the five year mission has been completed, when you think back about this experience, what do you think you're going to remember the most? Two things: the the cast and the crew. We have so much fun. It is such a I miss them all so much. Um, <laughs> Just it, it's like a family. It really is as, as cheesy as that sounds. And I know a lot of productions are like, oh, we're like a family, blah, blah, blah. But really, this is and maybe the difference between this and sort of the closeness of a crew and a, and a cast on, on a, a typical other production is that people in this production aren't necessarily getting paid or making profit doing it. They're there because they love Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's all a labor of love. And that kind of unites us all. And and. So that's the first thing. It's just the the feeling of being around all these people that just are so devoted and dedicated and so much fun and have great senses of humor. And then the second thing I'll remember is the set. Yeah. Because, I mean, they built that set to scale identically as close as possible to the original one in the Desilu Studios. It's even configured in the same way. and. The first time I walked, and you guys must have had this experience too. Just you walk, and then suddenly you're you're on the Enterprise. Yeah, yep. It's amazing. It um, it was almost like a a a, a religious experience of sorts. You know, when you first walk through the, those first set of doors into the corridor, you know, it's to me it was like, oh my god, I'm I'm really here. I'm here. Yeah. I've seen this for decades. You know, it was my boyhood ship of dreams and I'm here. And then you go to the bridge and it's like, Whoa, the bridge. Oh my gosh. I want to, I want to build a bridge in my house. <laughs> I don't know how I would feel about that, but it would be awesome to come home and like, there's the bridge. Yeah. And you know that a lot of the guys working, well, for instance, the buttons at the navigator station, you know, the, the glowing gumdrops. Yeah. Yep. Those buttons are resin that are poured into molds. Mm-hmm. And the molds that they were poured into were the same ones, not ones like them, the molds wow. that the original ship's resin buttons were made out of. Oh, wow. My mind's blown. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. There are some people um, that, that, work on the show that I think either, either a relative or they themselves, there's a connection to the original show. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah. And, you, and um, the, the attention to detail on the set mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vic, Vic got it right. And he did the research. He knew, I mean, there's a funny, you know, story he'll tell about the sick bay 
fabric, you know, the beds that that sort of orangey, rusty color with the, the gold. Oh yeah. Like, yes. he, it, it didn't exist. It no longer existed. And he like found someone in Germany who would custom weave it and they sent him samples and he'd get on the phone apparently and be like, okay, it's a little bit too dark. And you got it in like six or seven samples later. Finally, they got it right. And I mean, just everything. That's why it, it just, there's there, no, no detail was left to chance. It, it was just beautifully reproduced and that's why it, it looks so good. Yeah, it does. It looks amazing. And the I want to how they shoot it too. It's just yeah. like they're written. It's beautiful. It yeah. is beautiful. Uh, the way that the, Matt does such a great job with the lighting. Um, mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to make a comment on each of the two points that you made. And the first being walking on the set. I got to say that what Bill said, that was, it, it wasn't like a religious experience. It really actually was. Um, yeah. Walking onto the bridge I don't know. I can't tell you the last time I had a feeling like that when you're on the bridge and you're looking at the captain's chair um, and the, all of the different stations, it's, it's, um, it's a feeling that I don't think I can ever describe uh, adequately. Um, But the other thing I wanted to make note of is we were only there for a couple of days and we could easily see what you referenced a few minutes ago about the sense of family that the cast and the crew show um this is our first time that we've ever been visiting a set that was making a real production and it's kind of um hard to ever think that we could see something duplicated because this is this is the the top of the list in terms of how a crew and cast gets together and they really are family we saw that right off the bat and the other thing that i'm going to be kind of selfish about and say is we felt like we were part of that family while we were there we were so welcomed and we had such a great time watching you guys make your magic it was really special yeah isn't that great i mean you know other other things i've worked on sometimes you I mean, especially like if you're if you're a character coming into an already existing cast it's, it's easy to feel like an outsider, but I didn't mm-hmm. feel that way. You know, they'd already yeah. done some episodes, you know, two episodes and all the vignettes and worked together. And I kind of felt like a new, the new girl. And, mm-hmm. and it, you know, I was instantly, you know, pulled into the fold and m- made one of them. And, um, and it's such a, there's such a unique cast of characters, pardon the pun, you know, of crew members, like, there, there's a group, there's some sisters, four sisters um, from Utah, the mm-hmm. Warner sisters, we call them. And they all work in some capacity on the set and they are so much fun. I mean, it's this whole family. And then their brother joined them this last time. And so there's like families on the set. And then there's, you know, people that, that live locally. And then there's people that fly in and, yeah. Yeah. and it just all, it all works so well. Except that Casey guy, he's kind of a dummy. Yeah, <laughs> you know that was special for him I, I, yeah I have Casey's to say, awesome. i always tease him about um he's great I, tease him about, I, can't, I can't remember i can't even remember which episode it was either three or four where he's playing a vulcan who's in you know the, the service you know the blue service outfit mm-hmm. and someone shoots at him and he does like this sideways hop out, <laughs> out the door like to the side you have to look for it it's so funny how he does it he's just like Boop! I'm over here now. <laughs> so funny. I think the um, I think the thing that impressed me the most about the cast and crew is that when Dan and I walked in, from the moment we we crossed the threshold of the door, we felt no tension. 
we felt no animosity or ego. And in fact, that was the, the lasting impression it made on me is that there's no egos in that building, even though it's filled with a bunch of creative people who take their work incredibly seriously. And a bunch of actors. Yeah, and a bunch of actors who all have healthy egos. No ego unheard of. (laughs) And Um, there's such a spirit of, uh, of you know, giving it and taking, you know, between people that you know people walk in, they genuinely care about what everyone else did the night before. mm -hmm. You know, it's it is a gathering. It it doesn't seem like a job in any sense. That's exactly it. It doesn't feel like work and it doesn't feel like a job. And, you know, and, it, and it's also, kind of, it's almost like college in some ways in that, <laughs> that we're all staying in the same hotel. So just like, you know, you walk down the corridor and people's doors are open and they're just talking and it's like a giant like dorm. It's really cool. <laughs> That's great. Did you guys wow. stay at the, at the same hotel that we did? No, they sequestered us into oh, a hotel I, I next door. I ran out of rooms. Like, we kind of overran that poor place. Um, so, so sorry. I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. I think they did a background door. check on Bill and said, no, we can't have you at the same place. So. Yeah. yeah. That was me, actually. I didn't want to be in the same building. <laughs> Is it I've any wonder? I mean, <laughs> I've heard the story. Well, there are a few restraining orders still outstanding, and mm-hmm. I keep sending you flowers to try to get yours dropped, and... <laughs> I don't know. They yeah. keep coming back. Yeah, just you, you, you know, you don't have to put your boxers in with the flowers every time. <laughs> oh, oh, Bill. But but I've worn I them. Going. All right, <laughs> but you're a boxer but, man. I get it. But I've already worn them. That's <laughs> <laughs> it'll be when you're still wearing them, and they arrive with the flowers that'll <laughs> show your commitment. I think I need an adult. <laughs> Well, uh, Kipley, um, people love what you're doing on Star Trek Continues. They love what they've seen and all the other different things that you've done. Um, what kind of social media presence do you have? Where, do you, where can people go if they want to follow you? Do you do Twitter? Do you Facebook? Any of that stuff? Well, I have a, I do, I have a Twitter. Uh, it's um, at Kipley Brown. Um, I tweet maybe like twice a year. So oh, good. welcome. Okay. Quality. I, I, uh, I have not embraced the social media as much as I should. Uh, for only one reason, which is that my brain doesn't, I know that I, if I start doing it regularly, I will never stop. Just uh, like I, I know if I started to play like World of Warcraft, I would suddenly not be able to eat. I have that kind of obsessive, it scares me a little bit, but really my website's the best one. It's kiply.com, K-I-P-L-E-I-G-H.com. By the way, thanks, mom and dad, for the name. Spelling <laughs> of the name. It kind of every time I type in you an every time I type you an email, it says it's spelled wrong, and I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> oh yes, it does yes. kind of offset um, the brown, though. It does, yeah. and for that, I am appreciative. You know, when I was younger, I was like, you know, in, in grade school, I got teased a lot about my name. And because well, then it was even worse than guys because before high school, like my nickname was Kippy. Oh man. <laughs> Kippy. Now you should Kippy. not have told us that because the next time we see you in person. Oh damn. <laughs> what have I done? Why? <laughs> Oh. I'll tell you what, your your stock went way up a few minutes ago because you mentioned World of Warcraft, because I do play that. So that's awesome. You gotta start playing you gotta start playing it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I would I, my my husband would become a World of Warcraft like widower. 
<laughs> I would never, I would neglect everything. I just know that I would li- start to live that life more than my own, you but, know? Like, but you know, you always have the opportunity. You can do what I did and get him into it like I did my wife and then my kids and we all play. Great. And then the yeah. <laughs> falling down around our ears and the capsule stars. And, I, I mean, that's and that's right. the same thing with Star Trek Online. And I, I recently did a voice for Star Trek Online. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And yep. It was awesome. And those guys are so cool. And it's fortunately what saves me is that I have a Mac and it's difficult to get the platform. Oh. I know they're working on it for a Mac. They had it and yep. then they didn't. And, uh, yep. but really even more than world of Warcraft, I think would, would I get immersed? Cause that's star Trek and you know, Oh yes. Oh, in the star Trek universe. Oh my gosh. I mean, yep. It is awesome. It's very well done. They do a great job with it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Kipley, we can't thank you enough for coming on and spending some time talking about all the different things you've done. Uh, folks, her name is Kipley Brown. She is also known as Lieutenant Barbara Smith on Star Trek Continues. And Kipley, we hope to talk to you again in the future. Thank you, guys. Anytime. You guys are great. And uh, Bill, I don't think that I, first of all, as we said, we have never had someone answer a, an invitation uh, a, in Klingon. And I don't think we've ever had someone give us their robot impersonation before, as people will hear in future episodes of the Trekkie podcast. You know what I want to do now is I want to have Kipley go through and record a series of of you know uh notification tones at, like almost in you know, that Siri sort of style voice for my Android phone. Yes. Y- you have mail. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd love to hear her do the uh the uh the speech by lol. <laughs> Painting flowers family. <laughs> she was uh she was certainly a bundle of energy and that's what that's what's so fun about doing these uh these interviews is you never know what you're going to get and most of the time it is quite a lot of fun. It it truly is. We spent a lot of time laughing with Kipley. Uh I I can't wait to to run into her again and yeah, have her on the podcast again because it was a blast and uh she's a fan she's one of us mm-hmm. and she's incredibly funny so it was i think we spent more time laughing than we did talking at one point <laughs> yeah i think you're right yeah it was a lot of fun well dan speaking of fun 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 let's talk about our ongoing effort this year to document and record the stories of star trek fans fun our trek 50 project and here with the details is the lovely and talented dan davidson well, thanks, Bill. Uh, first of all, we want everyone out there to be part of the celebration of Star Trek's 50th anniversary. And tell us about the first time you ever watched Star Trek for our special Trek 50 project. All you have to do is leave us a message telling us how you began your Trek. Uh, as we said, the thing that unites us all as fans is our love for these stories and for these characters. And everybody's story is truly unique. Uh, what episode or movie was your first? What did you like most? What made you want to keep watching and who was with you and what made it so special to you? Um, so we're going to take all of your messages and we're going to publish them as a special podcast episode for Star Trek's 50th anniversary later this year in September. All you need to do is call us directly at 508-784-1701 and leave us a voicemail or record a message right on our website and send it to us. But please remember to tell us your name and where you're calling from 
and also try to leave your message shorter than three minutes. Don't ramble on like Bill and just, you know, cut right to the chase. For more information, go ahead and head on over to our special page we have set up at trekgeeks.com slash trek50 to get all of the details. And Bill, back to you. I ramble? You ramble, sir. Wow. I I desist thee, and I and you are order pedantic. thee to cease. I order thee to cease. <laughs> That's never going to get old, is it? No, it really isn't. You know what else doesn't get old, Dan, is the music of our friends in the band Five Year Mission. They are every song you hear on this tiny little podcast, mm. and uh, we are so incredibly grateful to them every single week for allowing us to use it. Yep. Um, the band Five Year Mission, they do all original songs based on episodes of the classic Star Trek series, so please head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get yourself some Spock's Brain and some Year 1, Year 2, Year 3, some Trouble with Tribbles, drop some Gold Press Latinum and some Quatloos, and... Um, I, I swear you'll, you'll thank us. You will send us long voicemails saying, oh my God, I'm so happy I did this. Why did I wait so long? Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're rambling. Thank you. Three minutes. Thank you. (laughs) But you're right because they are awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. Check them out. They are a lot of fun. And, uh, with that, well, actually before we sign off, we have a special bonus size episode next week. (sighs) My goodness. Timed with the release of the fan film Star Trek Horizon. Something is on the horizon, I was going to say. Yeah, I think it's Star Trek Horizon, honestly. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We're going to have a special sit down with writer, producer, director, seamstress, uh, Tommy Kraft, who has done everything for that film possible. And plus, you and I will do our deep dive. Deep dive. Off the deep end. Deep dive. That's all next week. But for now, this has been episode 48 of Trek Geeks, and we wish you all a great week and live long and prosper. So in honor of Kipley's invitation response and Klingon, Bill, I went and I did some research. Yeah. Do you know what the Klingon word for coconut is? Um, I don't know, but I could imagine it sounds really guttural and really kind of... It's got to sound like a warrior's word. Ready? Here we go. Coconut. Bye. Okay, that I'm trying is... to think of a good closing Klingon phrase, but I, it's not coming. That's all right. That's all I have right. to see it phonetically. <laughs> but my Klingon name is Kipla. Oh, yes. But it's Kipla. That's Kipla. awesome. Today like is a good day to have an interview. Signing off. <laughs> you know, Dan, I was going to say the fact that you got your whole family and your wife to it. I think they call that enablement. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no expert. I'm not a clinical psychologist at all, but I've watched enough CSI. Mm-hmm. Wow. We're all codependent now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god, that's great. All right, so we won't keep you too long. We um, yep. we'll have you do the the Trek Fifty thing where you say hi. My name is you know Kipla, and you talk about the first time you ever watched Star Trek. It can be as long as you want or as short as you want. There's, okay. Those are the only rules. And feel free to kick it off anytime. Okay. Kipley, the last thing I would like to ask, if you could, um, which I emailed you about, would you be able to do a quick rap uh, intro for us for the show? A rap um, intro? An intro, yeah. rather? I think I said rap. I meant intro. Oh, okay. I'm not good well, with all I these maybe technical terms. My reputation as a, as a rap star. <laughs> yeah, I can lay down those rhymes so well, yo. <laughs> DJ Kippy B. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about Star Trek. Star Trek. That's all I got. Really, I can't even rhyme that. <laughs> oh my god! But yes, I will totally do an intro for you guys. All right. Do you have it from your email, or do you want me to shoot it over to you real quick? Let me switch over. It would have been from February fifteenth, and it's just a suggestion if you wanted to do something along those lines, oh. since you are the awesomest navigator of the enterprise i'm dying oh, over so here sweet. <laughs> I, was, I had tears in my eyes from laughing at the dj kippy b thing i'm sorry i'm, I'm recovering <laughs> yeah you do that in some of the Kicking outtakes so you do it this could be the outtake <laughs> i am now looking for the i'm sorry my I'm switch. I'm gonna have to switch my email. Actually, yeah, yeah. Actually, I it's think so I know. What I can do. Let me do this to you, for you, Kipley. Let me just show this I, in Zoom. I, it's gonna show right up on your chat window there. Should have a chat window with, with a little message showing now. If you I hover your mouse over, you should see. It ah, yes, there it is. So you want me to do it like this? <laughs> oh my God! You can do it like that. Like you can do two of them. That would be awesome. We actually got one from Michelle the other day. She did a um. There's a little story behind it. When we were in Vegas, we did like a fangirl moment where we like walked up to each other and just started screaming and then walked off as if nothing had happened. And she did a fangirl version of an intro for us. It was hilarious. You know, I could do it masterpiece theater style if you like. Wow. Oh, or that's, that's or cool. I can do it. Ooh, this might work. A robot voice. This is sound. <laughs> I'll demonstrate it for you. Hi, this is Kipley Brown, Lieutenant Barbara Smith on Star Trek Continues. But it may get old after a very short. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> Siri ain't got nothing on you. <laughs> do you like that one, or I can I can just be me? I, you can I do, can just be me. You can do one as you and one as the robot. I think that's great. Yeah. Okay, here comes the robot first. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 